Hey guys, what's up? This is Charming, and you're listening to your Econ Hangover podcast. If you like this tune, it's by my friend Ely, great artist. She's a California-based musician. You can check her 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 page in Spotify. I'll put the the link in the description below so you guys can check it out if you dig this. And let's go off to the today's show. All right. So in today's show, we're going to talk about the working relationships in this phase that we're entering the 2020s. Why things are getting so hard for, you know, the millennials and the Gen Z kids, uh, me included, because I'm 26 years old. <laughs> so I'm also in this uh, struggle. Uh, first of all, like, I apologize in advance if I'm being a little bit too dramatic. Um, I can be a little bit too, too dramatic sometimes. And I don't want this to be a talk to uh, discourage anybody or to, um, to make anybody hyper-pessimistic about the future of work. <laughs> uh, at any rate... Um, these are just my views, and I'm, I'm really comfortable if you guys disagree with it. Um, honestly, I would like to be convinced otherwise, but as far as in this point as I'm living, I'm pretty much convinced that things are taking a pretty grim turn. Either way, I didn't come here to like uh, say what's true or not. I'm just sharing my perspectives, and I believe that's how we reach progress, even looking at the realistic and the grim side of things. All right. Okay, so let's move on. So probably if you're looking for a job, if you just finished college, or if uh, you didn't even do college at all, you're pretty aware on how much things gotten really aggressive in the labor market. Either if you are, for example, I don't know, if you are uh, trying to start your own business or if you're trying to enter in a ready made up industry, um, there's a lot of criterias and a lot of things that you want to avoid. One thing that millennials and Gen Z kids really fear, it's the dilemma of the nine to five lifestyle. Like, you know, like living in the matrix and pretty much like having to wake up early in the morning, staying the entire day in the office doing work that you don't care in order to get a paycheck and to survive and to live like a a decent person in society. And there's this whole existential thing about um, spending one third of your entire life doing meaningful work to you nowadays. Well, the thing is that why the millennials think like this and i think this will be interesting if for for the for the listeners if you guys are from like older generations and i see that the older generations have a little bit of a hard time understanding the millennial and the gen z mindset because let's get for example the baby boomers um what happened to them and like um you know the generations after world war ii um they had a different relationship uh, of work, of survival, of being in the labor force. Uh, after the war, like, things were supposed to be done 
at any cost. And if you get, for example, like Europe, Europe was destroyed. And there was a lot of work to be done and a lot of things to be achieved. And you couldn't just have the luxury of like uh, literally choosing everything you wanted to do. Unless if you were, you were coming from a really rich family uh, with a lot of money, which you could just like pick whatever you wanted to do. But um, so they, the, the past generations pretty much they just had to suck it up and do whatever they had to do in order to survive. And also, like, uh, life started pretty much early for our parents and our grandparents because, like, in your 20s, you were already expected to be moving on with your independent life, i.e., like, um, having your own job, having uh, money and resources to provide for your family, and having enough maturity to, uh, you know, fix your entire life. However, in my theory, uh, things started to, to change drastically uh, with the whole, you know, after the 60s generation. Because in the 60s, there was like this uh, whole uh, question, questioning of like the traditional way of life, the traditional family and the traditional uh, path that people should take. And... That was the generation of our parents, if you're, like, in between your 20s and your 30s. Uh, like, the generation of our parents, they, they were pretty much the, the first generation that started, you know, questioning and breaking this, this traditional uh, planning that uh, families had implanted for centuries. And with that, that pretty much came down for the way they raised us. You know, like the way our parents raised us, it was in a way that they didn't want to resemble how they were raised by our grandparents. Um, you understand? Like, because like our parents, the way they were raised, it was like still in kind of the, the traditional style, but they were also rebellious. They wanted to express themselves. They wanted to have independence, sexual independence, um, taste independence, uh, weird taste independence you know like, and uh and many of them uh they they felt the need to to fight for their, their rights and stuff like that and when our parents they started raising us they wanted to raise us with more freedom with more freedom of choice of more freedom of uh being who you want to be of more freedom of individuality and pretty much what uh the way that you know the parents of millennials and gen z kids they raised us it wasn't a really uh chilled relaxed flexible way which gave like a lot of autonomy for like the kids to choose what they wanted to do and one side this is really good because like uh we were saying that like these new generations they're not so much concerned about uh material gain uh as much as like past generations like uh at least I can notice that, like, uh, uh, like the young people nowadays, they're much more concerned with, like, uh, quality of life and uh, having a meaningful career that can impact somewhat not only their lives but society uh, in general. But also, like, we came down to this generation that we're a bunch of idealists. 
We're a bunch of idealists that dream big, that talk fancy, but don't do anything, you know. And that's the whole dilemma of the Gen Z, Gen Z and millennial kids because, like, um, they are really, uh, we are actually, sorry, <laughs> we are really idealistic, but not really pragmatic. I'll check out some stats here for you guys so you see, like, uh, the unemployment rates between, like, the young people in the world. This is according to the World Bank, guys. And, uh, I can put also a link for this so you guys can check it out. Um, all right. According to the World Bank, uh, the total youth unemployment rate, uh, the youth unemployment rate, it's uh, from between the ages of 15 and 24. Um, I'm not saying like we should like uh, uh, hold on to this. stats is something uh, uh, extremely important, but it's just a benchmark so we can understand uh, uh, numerically uh, how, how the situation is. <laughs> So according to this, uh, the world, the entire world, uh, youth unemployment rate is uh, around 12.76%. We got double digits here. But I think this is a little too, too generalistic. So I think it's cool if we check, for example, the European Union. So uh, here we can see that the European Union has a 16.3% unemployment rate. That's pretty, pretty large. For, for for Europe and the United States has an 8.4 percent um, let me check my country Brazil Brazil has a 27.8 percent this is extremely large I think I remember like one of the largest countries with like youth and employment rate I think was Italy Italy yeah 28.7 and I think France 21. Not too much as we thought. So, I mean, uh, we can see like uh, countries are like, uh, if you really check this out later, guys, like, really, I really recommend if you guys have some extra time, just check the numbers and stuff. Uh, you'll see that most countries, uh, despite being um, developed or not, they have double digits. And um, very few ones uh, that I can spot here, like uh, Japan and um, Germany and South Korea that they have um, single digit numbers. And uh, I mean, this is showing us in a superficial manner. Like, I mean, it was, it would be cool if uh, we could have like um, a formal study, um, a formal paper written on this so we can uh, check things on a more investigative like investigative way but uh as we can see here in a really uh quick uh look is that like uh it's it sounds like a pattern so especially in the developing world uh countries that we see like um one thing it's like for example when you get a country like japan or germany or south korea that they have systems that are really um well implemented really well managed and uh, also a culture that it's really um labor oriented i'm not saying the u.s the u.s is not i'm just saying that like uh, a country like the united states in comparison of a, a country of japan a country like japan and south korea they're still holding on into their uh really millennial uh not as a i'm, I'm not using millennial as like the generation kids but like the as in the thousand years you know like the thousand years tradition of uh of 
orientation about labor, discipline, and you get the United States, which is like a new country that was um, that has all kinds of trends and all kinds of uh, new things popping up. And also, I think it's interesting what happens in Europe. Um, I used to live for like a year in Europe, and I used to think it was really funny how like uh, uh, people there were, they had a really like a total different relation uh, of work and life balance. You know what I mean? Uh, it was really cool to see and it, like to see how much they not prioritize. Like I didn't see like, uh, in a macro and general level, like Europeans taking the the work relationship as intensively as I've seen, for example, in the United States. Like, I'm not saying that they don't work or they're lazy or something like that. I'm just saying that, like, by like uh, little things in the day to day lifestyle, you'll see like Europeans like uh, they take like these like little moments in, in in the day, like for example, for their meals or for drinking a coffee, they would like to sit down, enjoy their time, chat with their friend, and uh, do like these little rituals, which uh, <laughs> which are like a little bit more wholesome from like what I used to see in the United States, uh, that like uh, you barely have a lunch hour, like, you know, like time is money, like why the heck are you going to waste one, one hour having lunch? You, know, you have lunch while working or doing something productive, you know, because, you know, time is money. So like um like I said this is now no formal um uh this is not a formal uh I don't know um thing that I'm saying here but I think that uh, the, the these unemployment rates uh, between the youth that are coming on double double digit numbers in countries like Europe it's uh it sounds like it's a little bit because of their culture like um I see that kids uh you know, young adults, like, they don't want to live in the grain of being inside an office the entire day. They don't want to have a formal boss and be told what to do. Um, also, this comes a lot because, like, um, a lot of, like, kids, uh, they're spending more time in school. Like, they're spending uh, much more time getting formal education. So, like, nowadays, like, you see, like, it's much more common. You see people walking around with master's degrees and PhDs and they're not even 30 and I'm one of them because I have an MBA so I, uh, so it's like you see like uh, this is becoming more natural and kind of like I feel and me included in this in this list uh, we kind of feel that like we don't want to do a dead-end job because we're a little too good for doing uh, robotic stuff that you know so like a lot of a lot of Gen X and oh, sorry Gen Z and millennial kids like we we have this dilemma like we say oh no look at me I have a master's I'm awesome I <laughs> I don't want to be doing this I need to be in a top position as I start so I think that uh, compels uh, many of us to uh, to not choose going to the formal lifestyle and this is a huge dilemma for millennials is this whole existential relation between uh dedicating your precious time on earth to something that you're not interested to do um another thing i think it's 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 cool although with all these uh things that are happening now it is that um a lot of 
young people are coming up more with entrepreneurial and business ideas you know like we're we're seeing uh day by day more groups of like you know 20 year old somethings coming up with like startups that revolutionize some kind of traditional service and they're able to create like a, a cool sustainable company that cares not only about profits but you know maintaining their social status and their mission in the world and uh we're starting to see that the business relation uh that it's being built by our our newer generations you know they're coming a little bit more conscious to the future of the world as in like the the future relationships between people between uh human beings and the environment and uh things like that and this is this is actually a really positive point because like in the past most of the companies they they didn't care they were like they were really just at all costs um interested in profits and even if you study like uh if you study like economics in a uh in a in a traditional manner like if you go like to your micro 101 studies you know um you will see that um that the, the first theory of the firm is that the firm's uh mission is to is to maximize profits and at the lowest possible cost and through like an economist or finances point of view uh, this is the best thing that you can do because uh, I mean you want to produce more you want to produce more of your of your of your output and not waste so much money doing that so um, the thing is that uh, that I'm saying these words because like uh, in the past companies uh, had this mission in a really uh, rough way they will like we will cut costs in any cost you know like if if it takes us cutting costs to produce for example soap bars and the cost of like uh you know decreasing a little bit of our our cost is uh dumping all this trash at the nearest lake we will do it because we don't care we just want to get the profit as fast as possible we don't care about the environment uh but nowadays like uh, the new businesses and like the the, the millennial sensitivity it's aware of like this uh, macro scale of what causing that and for a short-term gain can do for in the long-term perspective to, to, to the earth or like for the environment or for the communities that live around there. So uh, this is a really positive and cool aspect of like the millennial business and uh, uh, entrepreneurial um, force that, that we're having nowadays. Um, another factor that like um, it's really cool, and I talked here uh, about in the in the past and some past episodes is this new gig economy kind of thing, because like um, nowadays you can make money in many ways and creative ways without being in an office from nine to five, and uh, we're seeing that more and more millennials are taking in this. Uh, this kind of mindset in order to make a living. So, uh, for example, like, um, like app, you know, like all these apps that like, um, 
you can make money like Uber or, or you know, like the delivery ones like uh, Glovo. And um, yeah, I forgot the name of the other ones. Uh, like a lot of like uh, people on this generation, they're, they're choosing to, to, to make businesses like that, being their own business in order to, uh, to set up their own hours, to uh, work whenever they feel like it, uh, look, work at, under flexible terms. And more and more we'll see like this kind of, um, you know, uh, relations being starting up because like uh, we, we found out that like people need services and we don't need necessarily to be granting those services in very formal ways. And uh, more and more, like I was talking to a friend once and he was telling me like uh, that, like uh, he lives in the UK and he was telling me that in the UK they have this app um, or this kind of service. I don't re really remember like all the details that like uh, people, they hire their time to do whatever uh, it needs to be done for a price. For example, like we get these people that have multiple skills, for example, this, this, this dude, he he's he has multiple skills like he can play piano he can uh you know he can cook he can take care of the garden so he he goes around doing all these things uh he like he sells his time for example for for doing all these things in order to make a living so he can like for example let's say that the guy he's an accountant but he also is a good piano player he's a great cook so like and during some time he's gonna you know he's gonna um, he's gonna be hired to do, for example, like the taxes for family, and then another family will hire him to teach piano for their kids, and at another family is gonna teach them to like for him to cook dinner, and people are gonna go around in all these circles, and we will also see this more with the increase in AI because like many of the jobs that we have like that that require that require like um, you know, uh, you know, like uh, physical labor or really uh, mind-numbing uh, mental labor, for example, just like calculating stuff, like, you know, like, like um, calculating a bunch of numbers. We can just do it with AI, which is much more efficient, much more, much, much faster and at a lower cost. So we will see more and more the need of people coming up with more uh, gig economy jobs in order to make a living because many of these jobs uh, they're gonna they're gonna be obsolete in in, a, in the near future. It's just a matter of time for like people start losing their jobs at a mass scale. I think that the first uh, time I felt this, it was when I started programming. I started programming and then it was like I was just like when I started programming in R and Python for like statistics. And I remember, like, man, I remember my first class in statistics, I had to calculate stuff by hand. Like, you know, like, the really basic stats, like, mean, average, uh, variance, standard deviation. And I had to, like, train that stuff and practice to pass in the exam. And I remember the first time I was doing stats in R, I just put a code there, and I calculated, like, the standard deviation of uh, of a database of more than 500 variables in a matter of seconds 
And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I'm so obsolete. <laughs> so this is very much like the, the dilemma that we're going to be facing as well. And we were going to be seeing a lot and a lot of jobs being uh, obsoleted because of the AIs and uh, we were going to have to adapt ourselves. But this is a good point about the millennials and the Gen X kids because more and more uh, we are learning how to uh, work with technology. Uh, more and more you see millennials that know how to program, that know how to you know, do things in the computer. Um, and at least in this point, I have a positive outlook that I think that more and more we will see our generations having more sensitivity and the relationship between machines. The only hard thing is to, um, that we need kind of a shift in the educational system to be um, teaching kids with these new trends of um, labor instead of continuing to going back and teaching things how they used to be in the 19th and 20th century. It's pretty, uh, in my opinion, it's pretty, um, it's pretty obsolete and archaic, the model of teaching that we still follow in most schools and universities. For example, the, the things of, uh, you know, like calculating arithmetics by your hand, like division, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you do need to have like a, a general notion, but you don't need nowadays to, you know, like to know by heart the stuff. There's a machine that does that for you, bro. And with a much better way, much faster and with a really higher probability of getting the numbers right instead of you uh, coming up with your quote-unquote fancy brain and doing the math in a paper you can just have a machine doing that dude like instead teach the kids how to do math in R or in Python teach the kids how to understand geometry and arithmetics and calculus in the computer by doing the machine you know what I mean Unless if he, he chooses to be a like a theoretical physicist that he know, needs to know how to do uh, theoretical calcul calculations in a piece of paper, but most of the kids won't need that. Most of the kids won't need to. Uh, even sometimes, if you enter in a in a, in a real a numbers kind of profession, you're not going to be doing your calculations in a sheet of paper. Seriously, you don't have time for that. You will do it in the in the software. So I don't I don't understand why like they're not uh, coming up more of this practicality that kids need to survive in the labor force and that's one of the reasons why also kids nowadays have such a hard time to finding a job because the things that they spent a decade or two learning in school and in university they are not practical in the real life in the real uh, in the real jobs that you will do. Uh, for making a wage and we see more and more like uh kids coming down started working they don't they don't have no background you know like they have to pretty much learn everything in their jobs and this is insane like if you just like talk to your friends for example uh you know talk to your friends and and tell him like Hey, hey, bro, what's up? Like, what, what course, what major did you do in university? And he's gonna say, I did this major. And he said, Oh, what kind of stuff? How, how, how much percentage of what you learn in university, uh, you apply in your job? 
I bet that majority of these guys will say, dude, what I did for college for five, four or five, six years, what I do in my job nowadays is like just 10% what I learned in college. The rest, like the 90%, I had to learn at my job of coming here. I had to like relearn everything in my job. Like university just contributed in a small percentage for me. So, yeah, this is really like the most frustrating part about uh, formal education. And more and more we'll see that institutions need to um, to adapt and create programs that will suit kids to to survive and then with the new trends of labor well guys we're almost reaching the 30 minute mark um i think it's coming to like it's, it's getting enough i think if i continue talking it will become really redundant and uh, i hope i hope you guys could understand some of my arguments here and like i said like i'm no beholder of truth so you know some things you guys might disagree with me which is uh, totally normal and that is very cool and um but it's cool like for us like uh our generation to be aware of the challenges that we're going to be facing because things are are not going to turn very easily in the near future um but let's see what we do we're trying <laughs> we have to survive that's life and um uh, maybe sometime later i'll do another episode like a follow-up for this let's see how it goes um maybe with al or with victor we will see it'll be cool to get some other perspectives here all right guys if you guys are enjoying the economics hangover podcast you know give me a follow at spotify it's free give me some love there guys so i can continue coming up with these episodes and sharing some free economic insights here um, being discussed in a very cool and chilled manner and also um uh, i apologize for like coming up with this episode so, such far off like I had like a little hiatus and kind of thing uh you know i've been going with the adult life i'm i'm in my second master's right now so i've been busy with studies uh for those that, for who doesn't know i'm uh, i'm a master's student in economics and uh, i've been kind of busy in the past weeks with uh with my studies and projects and adult life <laughs> all right so uh you guys keep tuned and thanks for listening bye bye